Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape our community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. Milwaukee Public Library's Central Library Branch opened in 1898, designed by local architects as a home to both Milwaukee Public Library and the Milwaukee Public Museum. Central Library was designated as an official Milwaukee landmark in 1969, and it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1974. This weekend, it celebrates another milestone, 125 years. And as you can imagine, a lot of change has happened in this period. To find out more about some of the building's history, I went to Central Library to meet with Casey Lapworth. She's a processing archivist special collections librarian, and also put together a new self-guided tour of Central Library. To start, Lapworth describes what the area was like before the library was even built. Of course, Wisconsin Avenue was known as Grand Avenue then, and it was some row houses, Trinity Hospital was here, Calumet Club was here, so it was just a kind of a scattering, this whole block was just a scattering of different buildings. Mozart's Hall was here, that was kind of a little outdoor amphitheater and a park and they would have programs, which was, of course, musical programs, which was a big, because of the Germ our German heritage, it's such a big thing. So it was really kind of just a, a smattering of different things. So then I know the museum started looking for a new home because they had been in a couple buildings before. The library was looking for a new home. They had a couple other buildings before. And I don't know if they all went to a, you know, a tavern one night and had a beer and, <laughs> and said, hey, but the idea came up for a joint building. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because I assumed one was here before the other and they invited them in at some point, but it was a joint build, a from, joint institution from Milwaukee Public Museum and Milwaukee Public Library, right? Yeah, from the beginning it was, it was always meant to be a joint institution. Um, they had had some fires, we had had some fires, and so the big push was for a fireproof building. So the city started buying land and they had like an architecture competition, design competition. We had like 74 entries. Only two were local Milwaukee ones, and one of those was the actual winner. Um, and Frank Lloyd Wright even submitted an entry. And it's not as typical, like you think, oh, it looks, you think prairie. And it wasn't. It this was, was more classical. It was classical. Yeah. And they were all kind of, the ones I've seen, they look similar because they all wanted kind of a classical style. And then, of course, ultimately the winner was Ferry and Class, and then they got started. Yeah, so when it comes to the construction, you found some amazing pictures of different sections and details being crafted and built. So when did construction start, and how long did this process take? In 1896, they had started building. I mean, there was so much planning before time, and also in the middle of this, they're building City Hall. I think they had a design competition for that, and so there's a lot of building going on. I think in like 1893, um, they started the planning and construction was going on in 1896. Ultimately ending up in 1898, they finished. And actually before the building even opened, they did have it open for a festival the summer before the library officially opened in 1898. So the library officially opened October 3rd. The summer they had must have had like a soft opening they used for this festival. And then the museum opened a couple months later, early 1899. Okay. So we're kind of going to jump ahead a little bit from the completion of construction and opening, but at some point, and it was relatively soon, the original library museum building was running out of space. What were some of the problems they experienced 
because they realize we don't have enough room for what we have or enough room to grow. From what I've seen, it just seemed like within a few years they were out of space. It just happened so fast. And I don't know if that's just the way the library was buying and they were getting use. I mean, there's pictures of some of the spaces so packed with people and it was just so popular and the museum was popular and they had their own departments. So they're, you know, they're creating their own artifact. I mean, meaning like they have a taxidermy department, so they're taxiderming animals. Everything just grew and within a few years they were out of space. So a few years later, they're already talking additions. Right, and so there are, to put it very simplistically, there's four editions yes. that can be categorized. So um, when did that first edition start? And can you explain just like some of the main characteristics of each edition and what, what, sure. what problems they addressed? So when you look at the plans, I mean, I know sometimes they refer to it as a U, but it really was kind of like an L shape. And the, the tall part of the L being the facade on Wisconsin Avenue. So, and then you had a little wing on the west side, which is 9th Street, which was like museum. So the library was like all of the e rotunda east, and then the museum was all rotunda to the west. So the first edition basically kind of filled that in and made it a rectangle. So it basically added like a sub-basement and then four floors all the way up. So as, you, as most people know, there's three floors. Um, so you have your main floor and then your second floor with a lot of the reference materials. And then there's a third floor that at the time was more uh, public space, but now it's administrative office for us. And then there's a fourth floor. And that was all for the museum, the fourth floor, because that was where all, they moved their administrative offices and a lot of their departments. Um, the second addition then actually came back in and filled in behind the dome. That's where, if you come into the registration off Wisconsin Avenue from the rotunda, the, what we call registration area, now it's just got a kind of a high ceiling. When it first opened, it had a huge domed ceiling. So it was probably super inefficient to heat like everything else. And so what they did is they brought the ceiling way down and they added two floors. So today that would be where the rare books room is. And the floor above that is now a staff space, but at the time uh, that actually became a library space at one point. So the second edition kind of just filled in behind the dome. Um, the third edition was actually kind of a rickety fifth floor that was on top of the fourth floor. It didn't last very long. It was like... Fell into disrepair pretty quickly. Yes, it was like, I think they, they edited in 30 and 31 and they took it down 30 years later when they got ready to, after they added the fourth edition, which was basically in the 50s. And I just found out recently, they actually started to plan that edition right around the depression. Oh, wow. So, okay. but they put it all off because, well, the depression. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually didn't start till like 55. So those first two editions were pretty close together. It was like, the first one was like 1909 to 1912. And the second one uh, behind the, that filled in the space behind the dome was like 1913, 1915. Um, and then of course you've got the third one that was the thirties. And then the larger one that allowed us to take over like the entire block. Uh, was the 1955 edition, and that's probably the one most people are familiar with because it's the biggest and the most obvious. We have Well Street entrance now because of that. Yeah, and just the style. Yes, as it's well. so different from yeah. the rest of the building. It's very 50s. Yeah. So with these additions and some of the reconstruction, repurposing of rooms, kind of reorganizing, I want to give a shout out to the reference room and what it used to be. <laughs> can you? Uh, and people can go online to see a picture of this. But can you explain what it was and what they turned it into? So the original building, uh, and this was the library portion, so you would go in, in the rotunda and you would hang a right heading towards 8th Street on the east side. 
Um, and that hallway, you would go into the community room, which was the catalog room. So that's just a room filled with card catalogs. And that's where you would look for books. Um, now, if you wanted to look at reference books, you would go, there was a door actually from the back of the community room through the hallway to this giant two-story, actually it's almost three-story uh, reference room. And then there was, uh, there's a door along that hall. If you go today, that hallway is like the bookseller, and at the end is the old boardroom. Um, what's fascinating about that hall, too, is there's two display cases. Those were the original doors to the reference room. So if you ever go down and look at them, they're like really big. Um, now there's two center, like very 50s doors that are locked because the room's storage now. But it was this huge kind of three-story. It had fireplaces in it. Um, I've spent a lot of time looking at the few photos we have trying to find out where the fireplaces were or where the reference desk was. But I mean, it's all this like carving, these beautiful floors, like there was copper shelving. I work in there a lot because it's storage and that's where a lot of the MPL history records are kept. And so it's always kind of like, oh. What could have been? What could have been? <laughs> so, what could have been my office right now? Right. <laughs> I mean, it really is beautiful. I mean, because you wouldn't have accessed it from behind because that would have been museum space. But this was, this was the library and this was their big, beautiful reference room. It's just very sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. So with the growth of both organizations, the museum and the library, when was it that the museum actually moved out? It took them almost a decade to move out. I mean, they were planning the new building. I think 63 is when it officially opened. And they still had exhibits in the library and were open across the street. So it took a while. And the last relic was moved out. It was the giant, one of the giant elephants that was in what's now the Zeidler room. Um, he had to be dismantled to take okay. out. So that, and he moved out in 69. So it took him almost a decade to officially move out of the museum. Uh, building there and then for years after and even during that time like the repainting and the redesigning you know there's a lot of pictures in the 50s or the early 60s where they're just starting to try to figure out what to do with this space yeah try to reconfigure it so you are celebrating a major milestone the 125th anniversary of central library and part of that is a tour you put together for people to interact with both here at the library and virtually going through sites within this building can you share a bit about how this came together and did you work with staff here helping you to choose which areas to highlight? Because there's so much. There really is. So um, when I came down to Central, I started in the Humanities Department and then of course the Special Collections Department. And so I work the Zeidler room desk a lot. And people always like to wander in and then, cause people, cause the other staff will send them to us like, oh, I want to learn more about this building. We have a couple of brochures, but nothing super in depth. And that's a really big question it's an I we didn't have anything that I could just point and be like this is what it is I'd even print out some of my PowerPoint presentation just for some folks who had specific questions and I thought wouldn't it be great to have something that we can refer people to so maybe they don't want to do a dissertation on it but they want to learn a little bit more about the building and people love photos so I already had most of these photos from my presentation and my program so I just started to think about you know, what spaces have changed the most? What are ones people see? What do we have great pictures of? And then I went to speak to some of our managers and I brought it up and I actually reminded everybody that it was the 125th. Um, so, By the way, guys. <laughs> and they were like, great, you can be on the committee. So we kind of linked it to the committee. And so we got a little bit of a budget from the foundation. And um, we, so we started to kind of build that out. and. 
there was a couple of handful of staff members that really helped, like a lot of editing, a lot of rereading, just trying to keep it not too in-depth because you don't want to overwhelm people. Mm-hmm. But you want to give, you know, some basic facts and find some photos and just the kind of questions that the other side the room staff get asked all the time. So I inquired a lot with my coworkers and like, what do you think? And then certain places were just kind of little pet peeves, you know, like, why isn't there a sign here that talks about like Mozart's Grove? So I made sure that there was a mention about Mozart's Grove and why it was named that because of Mozart's Hall or there was a display. Um, outside of the Zeidler room that's a, like a library vignette. And a lot of those things were used in the library over the years. I mean, we're basically our own kind of library history institution mm-hmm. because we've been around for so long. So our cultural history is kind of some of the community history at this point. How does this building and the research into it continue to surprise and challenge you? It's funny. I'll find something in some papers because we're now finally getting around to really organizing our own personal records. You know, you take care of everybody else's stuff and yours is the last to be taken care of. And then my supervisor and I will wander around and try to figure out, like, where did this go? Because we won't, some parts we have a lot of documentation and some we don't have any. Um, I wish there was more documentation on the reference room you know, more photos of what was where, but at the time, you know, they didn't think much about it, and then they were into their next, you know, edition. Change happens so fast, so it's just really kind of a rabbit hole of, you know, every day I'm finding something different. I'm super fascinated with when the change happened from closed stacks to open stacks. I mean, we think we have stacks, you can come into Central, you can browse the stacks, you look around. But at one point, that was not commonplace. Mm. You know, it was a closed stack, and you went to the staff, told them what book you wanted, and they went back and got it. So some of the central part of this building, uh, kind of where Main Street was, is right now, was a closed stack. So I really want to find more information about that change, and there's not a ton. There's like 5,000 little <laughs> questions I want answered, and sometimes I answer a few, and sometimes it opens like more questions. a couple more. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, this has been great to learn more about the building that we're in here, and it certainly makes me appreciate it a ton more just walking past it or thinking about it. So, Casey, thank you so much for your work and sharing a bit of it today. You're welcome. I am more than happy to talk about it. <laughs> I love it. Casey Lapworth is a processing archivist, special collections librarian at Central Library. Central Library will be celebrating its 125th anniversary this Saturday with a few presentations and events happening throughout the day. There's also a Milwaukee Public Library staff art show through the 14th, and you can find out more information at wuwm.com. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash lake effect. And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast.